everyone welcome back to Tudor talk time we know we've had a bit of a break yeah but we've been busy <laughs> we are sorry for the hiatus but we're returning now and it's exciting times exciting things ahead this week we're going to be talking about mary boleyn we've already talked about anne boleyn and we've talked about bessie blount um so you may be wondering why Bessie Blount and Mary Boleyn are related. Well, they're not biologically, but they both shed the bedchamber of the same man, King Henry VIII. Let's start with her birth. Historians still debate who was actually the older between Mary and Anne. So the evidence that Mary was older is that she married first which meant that she might have been older. But then at the same time, Anne was given a really great opportunity, which would have probably gone to the older daughter, where she went to the continent, to the household of the Archduchess of Austria. However, I think later on, we might come onto some other reasoning as to why Anne was chosen over Mary for that. But I think the general consensus with historians is that Mary, is the older of the two. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, Mary? I agree. Um, but we still don't know exactly when she was born. I go with 1500. You go with 1500? Yes, because she was married in 1520. I think George was born later. So we're saying George was 1503? Yeah. So when do you think Anne and Mary were? I think Mary was 1500, and I think Anne was 1501, 1502. Okay. Interesting. The one reason that I think that is I saw a quote about, um, I can't remember exactly, so bear in mind I am very much paraphrasing, but uh, Thomas Boleyn and Mary and George's father talking about his wife Elizabeth Howard going, she's pregnant all the time. She's pregnant every year. So I think it's very likely that they were born in like subsequent years. Oh, yeah. It's my influence. Yeah, understand. Okay. So. Why was she actually born, Phoebe? There's debate. Um, some people say that she was born in Hever Castle, but I personally think it's more likely she was born in Blickling Manor um, because... Norfolk. Norfolk. And also they didn't actually get Hever Castle officially until yeah. around 1505. And so if we go with my birth date <laughs> theory, then they wouldn't really have been there at that time. And she was supposedly named after the Princess Mary Tudor. She was described as a young lady of both breeding and lineage. So she was born into a pretty prosperous landed Norfolk family of the knightly class. So her family was very loyal to the Tudor dynasty, but they did have Yorkist connections. Her mother was Elizabeth Howard, who was daughter of Thomas Howard, Earl of Surrey, who was sent to the north under Henry VII, away from his mm. power base. Yes. And... Thomas Howard, Earl of Surrey's father, was the first Duke of Norfolk who had died fighting for Richard III. So they do come from Yorkshire. I do think that's really important context for as we go on that both the Howards and the Boleyns have very strong ties to the Yorkists. And obviously, while Tudors are a mix, the way that they got to the throne is through a Lancastrian claim. Yeah. So Thomas Boleyn is already a little bit on the outskirts and the Howard family in general is sort of clawing their way back to power a little bit. And then her father was a man called Thomas Boleyn, who his lineage doesn't actually stretch back as far 
so you can only really trace it back to like the 1300s and yeah we I mean, I feel like we're saying this all the time, that these girls had actually quite a good education for the time period. Thomas Boleyn, he was quite a modern man as far as how modern you could be in Tudor England. He saw his daughters as not intellectually any lesser than his son George, so he did work quite hard to pursue a valuable education for them. Mary learnt to read and write in multiple languages, play instruments like the virginal. She also learned to sew and embroider, and her and Anne were good riders around the... the Parklands. The Parklands. <laughs> <laughs> as her youth, she was described as a placid, unremarkable girl of a giddy disposition. Yeah. Which was unlike her far more intelligent and far more applied sister Anne. So you can already see that there is a rift between these two girls, maybe a bit of competition between them which is expected of a family of their standing. And this is where I wanted to go back to um, the opportunity with Margaret of Burgundy. Thomas, as we said before, the Howards and the Boleyns do have quite a bit of ties to York, the Yorkists and what have you. Margaret of Burgundy, a big Yorkist fan. Um, so Thomas Boleyn did have a natural camaraderie, if you will, with her, despite her being called, what was her nickname? The most awful archdruidess or something. She was meant to be very a very tough figure to rub along against. Um, but Thomas convinced her to take one of his daughters as a ward, and it was decided that she would take Anne. Some people think that's because Anne was older, but I think it's more likely that Mary just wasn't seen as deserving doesn't seem like the right word but Anne she was wasn't smarter. as outgoing Anne was like yeah the golden child and was the one that wanted a challenge yeah she was i think very, she was a bit more ambitious yeah politically. ambitious mary was quite okay with her life yeah. in in england also however mary was also better at french so it could mm -hmm. be seen that she didn't really need the opportunity as much to go and live and speak French because she was already really good at the language, whereas Anne wasn't wasn't quite as skilled. But nevertheless, Mary stayed behind in England. And also it could be that Mary was more kind of conventionally attractive for that time. Yeah. So she had perhaps better marriage prospects yeah. than Anne did. And then 1514, Mary goes to France, along with Mary Tudor, who was Henry's youngest sister, who was going to marry Louis XII of France. And this came out of the Battle of the Spurs, mm -hmm. the treaty that resulted in it. 1513. Yeah, 13,000 <laughs> troops. <laughs> Wolsey organised it all, you know? Yes. And Mary Boleyn was actually maid of honour at this wedding. Well, a maid of honour. Mary Tudor never really wanted to marry him, and he was sick and died before he was died when mary actually arrived in france she had this huge group of people with her um effectively like her own court she brought along and louis saw it and thought no that's a ridiculous number of people and said to send the majority of them home but but mary Boleyn was chosen amongst the very small intimate group that was chosen to stay uh and actually princess mary was not super cool with this if you will because the group that was chosen to say Mary Boleyn again if we go with the, the birthday of about 1500 was only around 14 at this time and 
mostly the group chosen to stay were 14 year olds and so princess mary is like <laughs> what if i get sick what if i get pregnant yeah. how are a group of 14 year old girls that have no idea what's going on gonna help me but either way it does show mary had something to give in france as she was chosen but then louis dies within a year of the marriage so mary tudor goes back to england and long story but she marries someone she shouldn't marry on a boat um mary boleyn remains in france and she goes she becomes one of the ladies of the queen of france who is queen claude married to francis the first king of france in france she was known she had quite a reputation she was known for her for her shameless behavior and francis the first nicknamed her the english mare which is probably where the rumours come that she was also a mistress to Francis I. A lot of historians think that actually what she, her extent of mistressness has been a bit exaggerated. Um, her sexual affair was just a bit overdone. But then Francis does also refer to her as Una Grandissima Rebelda in Famous <laughs> And beautifully pronounced there, Lara. Basically, what that means... I don't really want to say it. It's a bit derogatory. Go on, Lara. We've got to expose these men for who they are. What is that language? Oh, no. A very great whore. Aww. The most infamous of all. He also claims that he... He <laughs> he claimed to have ridden her. He's doing arguably the traditional man thing of going around and and saying about his exploits and she doesn't really say anything about this affair that may or may not have happened i think maybe they may have had an interaction a sexual interaction by no means the official mistress of him and in france there is a very high standing for the official mistress so she we would know if she was that important and she clearly isn't which i think is worse being the mistress not even getting to be the fancy mistress yeah what do they call it Maitresse. Maitresse de titre or something. Yes, yes, I think that's it. Titled mistress. But basically, she's not titled. She doesn't have the power, the influence that the official French mistress would have. Maitresse en titre. But all things must come to an end. And Mary returns to England, where Anne stayed in France. Mary comes back again. I feel... If I was Mary, I would, I would feel a bit subpar, personally. Maybe that's just me. But Mary returns to England, and we don't really know what happens to her when she returns. Some people think that maybe she was disgraced because it was well known about, well, her reputation that she had in France. And it, fr- I would say the French court was more, I don't know how to put it, sexually fluid... Well, they're a bit more modern in every sense. Yeah, like they, they are. They have lower dress cuts. They're a bit more promiscuous. Yeah. Quotes. In England, we're not very, very much we're like that at uptight. all. We're qu- quite uptight. We're, we're quite, quite dowdy. Like, prudish. We are. We are. Even Henry, with his mistresses, he's very secretive about it. Yes, he is. He doesn't he like is. to flaunt that. No. Um, so it could be that when she returned to England, her mother... Because her mother had a position as a maid of honour for Catherine of Aragon... And some think that maybe Mary came and took this position as well, but also maybe she didn't because her reputation in Catherine of Aragon was, I would say, a prude. So this is why we think Mary could be older. She was married before Anne, which is 
quite unusual for a younger sister to be married before her older one. But this was a marriage that had been planned since they were very young. She married a man called William Carey in February 1520. Carey was one of the king's closest companions, but he was also a younger son, so didn't really have that land or fortune. But nevertheless, Henry VIII did endorse the marriage. When they got married, he gave them six shillings and eight pence. William was considered to be a very attractive young man. Um, and so was Mary. So, bit of a hot couple. <laughs> <laughs> she also became Henry's mistress, and this gave the couple a lot more prospects in court. So William Carey was given two keeperships, a stewardship, an annuity, and manors in two counties. And they obviously got lodgings at court, and they became a much more kind of pivotal couple. They were doing a performance where there was, they set up this scene in court and there was a castle um, and all, like a handful of women, they were each there to represent a specific value of a woman and both Mary and Anne were in the performance. Mary was kindness and Anne That's was perseverance. It, and then he them. spots her. Henry as a person, he prided himself on being quite virtuous. Quite, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know the word virtuous. <laughs> so the affairs he took were taken quite secretively most of the time, but it is said that he did take a number of mistresses. As we said, unlike Francis of France, he didn't <laughs> allow his mistresses to have any influence in court, nothing that could threaten the standing of the queen. Um, and therefore women who did become involved with the king couldn't really expect much reward from it, and they actually had more to lose because they could lose all of their honour. But he did name a boat after her in 1523. <laughs> <laughs> so so you've got to weigh it up. you got to weigh it up. During Elizabeth's reign, there was a man called Sir Robert Norton who wrote that Henry never spared a man in his anger, nor a woman in his lust. Oof. So, yeah, just putting that out Way to Way to make a girl feel special. <laughs> she had a boat. What more do you want? True, sorry. Okay, so um, in 1524, Mary gives birth to a daughter called Catherine, and in 1526, she gave birth to a son called Henry. Uh, there is obviously scepticism about whether they were William Carey's or Henry's, but Henry never really acknowledges them as his own. He never acknowledges them as his own full stop. So it is just accepted that they're William Carey's, and nobody really thinks too hard into it. Some people say that because he was named Henry, but... Everyone was named Henry. Yeah. There there were about six names going around. Yeah. Just like pick it out of a hat. Exactly. At that point, yeah. The whole Carey branch gets very intertwined with Elizabeth because they are genetically so. so Catherine Carey went on to marry Sir Francis Nollies, who was obviously a big figure during Elizabeth's reign, and she became chief lady of the bedchamber to Elizabeth. Henry Carey was also ennobled by Elizabeth, and made a knight of the garter so you know they have a lot of influence and their influence continues into the reign of elizabeth i think that's a really cute gesture from elizabeth a little ode to her deceased mother too but in 1528 william carey dies of the sweating sickness very unoriginal way to die if you ask me boring man boring boring man and this leaves Mary in a bit of a, a funky situation because Henry has also now moved on from Mary to Anne. And she's sort of left there, Awkward. floating. 
Yeah, it's not cool. It's not cool. But Mary does get to stay at court throughout her sister's campaign to marry the king. And once they do kind of get married, Catherine is deposed. <laughs> In 1532, Anne and Henry pay a state visit to France, and Mary was among the 30 ladies who went with them. So she's not been completely shoved to the side. She's still got a bit of a standing at court. But when Anne and Henry marry, George Boleyn, Thomas Boleyn, they all do really, really well off of this marriage, but Mary doesn't yeah. really. She gets married to William Stafford in 1534, but that's a bit of a, a dud of a marriage. I think it's weird that... You never see a huge sisterly bond between no, Mary and Anne. You see kind of like obligation and just yeah. help because they need it, but it doesn't seem like there's that much love there. But maybe that's no, not a fair no. reading. I think that's quite a fair reading. I think you can see it throughout their childhood. They're quite often pitted against each other, yeah. and then they even go and go for the same man, marries a mistress, and Anne marries him and becomes queen. Yeah, that's never going to make you feel good. No, it's not going to make you feel good, but at the end of the day... It was a smarter decision. And I think it does show that Mary, as we said, Anne was much more ambitious. She used that affair to become queen, whereas mm. Mary was kind of just more in it. Yeah, she was like, okay, if you want to have an affair with me, you can do that. Yeah. I'll take she some money. She could have potentially advanced it to yeah. herself further, but she didn't. But she didn't. And I don't, maybe she didn't see that as a possibility, mm. or maybe she just didn't, didn't want to yeah. push that. Um, but... Mary gets pregnant with William Stafford's child and she's actually banished from court. Um, because he was much below her standing. Yeah. He was, again, a younger son. And he was a soldier from a good family, but he wasn't, you know, sister of the mm. Queen's material. No. And this made Anne and Henry very angry, especially since she married him in secret at first. Yeah. And they only found out because she was pregnant. So she's sent out from court. And she's just reduced to practically begging Thomas Cromwell for for help. Her father vies to cut off her allowance. We don't even know if she had this child. We don't know what happened to this child, which I think just is shows more than anything else could how little respect she had at this point. People don't even care. There is some thought that she could have had two children from this marriage, so Edward Stafford and Anne Stafford. But this is, like, very rumoured. We don't know much if anything about them but there was maybe Anne Stafford was possibly named after her sister so maybe there is a bit of a tie there but also maybe not um with Cromwell basically everyone was going why why are you with this man blah 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 and she said and it's quite a quite a prominent quote she said I would rather beg my bread with him than to be the greatest queen in the Christendom it's basically I'd rather be poor and loved than rich and without him which is really cute it's a bit stereotypical but yeah um, but that's really cute and Anne, basically to this just finally gave in she sent mary a golden cup and some money but never reinstated her position in court no. and then obviously Anne dies and yep. then her parents also die and mary inherits the berlin properties in essex where she lives out the rest of her life which isn't that long Mary dies in July of 1543. She's probably in her early, early 40s. And the Berlin name is just an absolute shambles. She's, she's going by. She's getting by. Her, but her children, I think, are very successful for the situation that they yeah, are in. I agree. So, yeah, that's the story of Mary Berlin.